just when I thought I was out, they pull me back in. That is right. Don't call it a comeback because this is football and other F words almost old school style. And for the rest of the season, finally, the co-host has been settled and it is Mike Herndon at Mike Miracles on Twitter, paulkarski.com, broadwaysportsmedia.com. I mean, what is it that you don't do? You took a year off. Uh, do you feel a little refreshed? And let me say the Titans did not reward your year off. I have a lot of regrets. I have a lot of regrets about agreeing to cover this godforsaken football team for the year of our Lord 2022. Yeah, uh, it's a, it's been a long road to just get back to where uh, we were at three years ago, right? I mean, this feels like the <laughs> this feels like Matt Lafleur, you know, just a team that doesn't look really prepared week in and week out. You know, you're back on the podcast, and it's just if time is a flat circle. Is what I'm saying. And and listen, I've tried to avoid bringing you on, not because I don't like you or because I don't think you get good content. I was trying to give, let you still be free of having to come on and talk about the Titans in verbal form. Yeah, you've uh, you've captured me, and now you're gonna chain me to my desk and make me talk about the Titans for 15 weeks, and this this is gonna be miserable. (laughs) Hey, at Thanks. least I get. At least I did give you an out when I was talking to you about about scheduling this all up and stuff. Full disclosure, I said, "Listen, come on for the regular season, and then after Ryan Tannehill throws three interceptions in the playoff games, you know, you can uh, you can say good, your goodbyes and uh, take a take a nice long break." And now the Titans may not even make the playoffs. Well, you know, we we can uh, at least off season start off season talk starts like next week after they lose to the Raiders. Could you imagine the the people that I was talking to trying to get this because I got hit with like non competes like all day long for left yeah, and right because people think that uh, this take their excuse was well it's a non compete and we don't want this to take too much of their time. Well, people don't understand about this podcast. What makes this podcast so great? It's literally. It writes itself. It <laughs> this does. is the easiest thing to prepare for. It's like in the off season, it's a little bit harder, but really it's just like, here's the topics we're going to talk about. Just turn on the mics and let's roll. Yeah. And, and so could you imagine if one of these people had like, you know, talked their uh, bosses and went through all these negotiations and talked their bosses into joining this podcast and have to cover the last two fucking games. Oh God. Yeah. That, that would be a career, uh, you know, malfunction just like, uh, just like, just like mine, you know? Yeah. Well, it's a little bit different because, you know, these people I was talking to, you cover the Titans five days, six days a week. Yeah. So, so they're having to relive it again 
with, uh, with, yeah. with they me would, for they this. They would have been even deeper. Even yeah. deeper it would have been good for them, though, because at least they could cuss, you know, yeah. and, 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 and really let their freak flags fly. Uh, but that's all, it's all good. The, the, the big radio, big TV threatened by me and by this podcast, you know, what better way to, to really stick it to them than by getting the best and most coveted co-host out there with the anal- with the analysis in Mike Herndon. So I, I feel very good. You're going to be able to let out a lot of frustration to, to, to kind of compare. You do a show at broadwaysportsmedia.com. That's for Broadway insiders only. So first, Go to broadwaysportsmead.com, get pay $49.99 up front for full 12 months of access and access to the Mike Herndon show. And people are probably wondering, well, what's the difference between this show and the Mike Herndon show? Well, if you've already watched Mike Herndon show, you can see a distinct core, uh, distinct difference between presentation styles and stuff because it's all you, less me. Maybe that's what's going to draw people there. You know, I'm not there, but less passion. It's not less passion, but less uh, unbridled rage. <laughs> it is It is slightly less rage. It, I will say, uh, you know, for that show, I'll be getting into a little bit more of like the tape deep dive stuff and everything. Because, you know, just really just from a schedule standpoint, like when this show is recorded versus when that show is going to be recorded every week. Uh, and released i'll just have more time to have gotten into the all 22 and look at some of that stuff so some of some of those takes will be there um so i definitely think that'll be its own show worth listening to if you like uh if you like listening to me uh talk about football which you know you you may not and that's that's perfectly fine too well it's kind of like all the articles that you're known for right and you obviously do the paulkarski.com one but back in the day when before you retired you were putting out like two or three articles a week with film deep dives all the way back to your music city miracles day take all those articles put them into video and audio format and that is the mike curtain show and isn't that worth the price of admission alone every week you get the x's and o's of why this team is such a fucking disaster (laughs) i mean at least listen if you're gonna at least have to suffer through this this horrible horrible regular season that's probably ahead of us at least learn something and get something out of and you can do that by watching and or listening to the mike herndon show but only only if you're a broadway insider that's right that's right yeah it it is basically a verbal representation of the old all 22s is basically the idea for for the show which is perfect because we, we never really got into that here because it, we always recorded on a Tuesday or a Monday. So it didn't, never really worked for us anyway. Yeah. So exactly. I got a question for you, Mike. Do uh, you enjoy beer? I do enjoy beer. I, I needed like 12 of them last night. Do you enjoy food? I love food. Do you enjoy watching sports when it's not the two-tone blue? <laughs> I do enjoy sports generally, not not the Titans, yeah. Well, I then I have a place for you. Jasper's in Nashville and West End has all those things, and you can ask them to change the channel when the Titans are on. They will gladly do that for you. <laughs> Listen, Predator season's about to come up, so you're going to have some more Nash. You got UT basketball, college basketball. You got UT football. You got all kinds of local sports. Hell, even Vanderbilt is a more functioning football team than the Tennessee Titans. So head over to Jaspers in Nashville and watch any sports team other than the Titans that your heart desires. And you will have a blast because the Titans bring nothing but misery. However, Jaspers brings nothing but happiness 
from their delicious fajita bar that they have, from their cocktails, from their cold beer. Everything is at Jasper's in Nashville. So head on over to your new elevated neighborhood sports bar in Jasper's on on, uh, West End. Will they will they put the Texas game on for me so yes. that I can uh, I can enjoy mullet madness? Listen, I got them to put on a Memphis basketball game, so they will okay. definitely put on anything for you. They right. they have TVs everywhere, so it's it's like it, changing one TV is not a chore where they have to change like fifteen thousand different TVs and ask someone. They'll just go up there and change it for you. That's how good the staff is at Jasper's. After the last season, it is pretty incredible that the only football team I'm really willing to watch in public right now is uh, is the Texas Longhorns. That That is incredible. Uh, it's what a world that we live in that maybe Texas is back and old Titans football is back. The Buffalo Bills versus the Tennessee Titans on Monday Night Football was an utter disgrace and disaster. Some are calling it the worst Mike Vrabel performance or worst Titans performance under Mike Frable, I tend to agree. I tend to think it's one of the worst losses of the Titans era, and I think it's definitely worse than 59-0 and Patriots game because here's why. That team sucked. That team had no expectations. So, of course, they got bl- their asses blown out by the New England Patriots in the snow. This is a much more worse loss than that one. I cannot believe how many people voted the 59-0. and I think that they are clinging to the past, and not understanding that the expectations for that team were entirely different for this team. And I am just, I'm floored. uh, They played worse than the New York Giants game, correct? Oh, for sure. I mean, the the Giants game, at least they, you know, they came out and they were in control of that game for most of the game. Now, like, they should never have been in any sort of, close contest with the giants and like yeah i know the giants beat the panthers the, the well, Panthers, like, like who the fuck hey titans and the panthers probably be yeah. a really close game to be honest yeah. with you yeah i mean but that's where the titans are right now and they should have never but at least they were in control of that game there were good things that happened like the offensive line played well uh the pass rush p- played well um there were things that you could look at and say oh okay that's kind of exciting. That could that could be something to build on. It's like this it's Bills like game? things you thought you saw that were good. You thought indicated that okay, week one is a liar for the Tennessee Titans because this will translate versus other teams. Yeah, and, and but then the Bills game zero zero redeeming qualities <laughs> from this team. I mean, like if you wanted to really stretch, like you could maybe say like, all right, well, Traylon Burks played pretty good. That's about it. Like honestly, like even like. You know, I still am relatively high on Nicholas Petit Prayer and Roger McCreary. I didn't think they played great uh, last night, but I mean, good lord, there was nothing that they did well like zero. They didn't coach well, they didn't run the football well, they didn't pass the football well, they didn't block well, they didn't tackle well, they didn't stop the run well, they didn't stop the pass well, they couldn't catch punts. I mean, you name it, they sucked at it. Um, it was as thorough a beatdown as you can imagine at the NFL level. And I mean, frankly, the Bills could have made that as bad as they wanted to. If they wanted to keep their foot on the gas, they could have scored 60, 70 points. Like, I have zero doubt in my mind. Well, when you have Trey Avery out there for whatever reason, starting the game and then ending up on Stefan Diggs the, almost the whole game, it, you're you're inviting disaster. The way that the Tennessee Titans play football 
invites epic disasters. And the way they handled themselves last night or Monday night was it it throws up all kinds of red flags because there's a lot of issues with this team that are happening this year that never happened in previous year. And some of that is the way that Mike Vrabel's handled uh, his in-game clock management and his strategy has been atrocious. Penalties are killing this team as well. And you, you bring up NPF and Roger McCreary. For going up against the talent they were going up against, I thought they did great. They are they are still rookies. Caleb Farley, kind of still a rookie, but at some point it's gotta we gotta see signs of life. We're not seeing signs of life from Caleb Farley. And, and with Farley, I'm still willing to like I'm I'm willing to postpone judgment on Farley a little bit just because like look, I think how I long do up. you are you postponing that judgment? I, at least until like the back half of this year. Like I, I'm not because I mean, think about what we saw from Taylor Lewan and Bud Dupree last year in the, their first half of the season with their ACL injuries and how bad both of those guys who were like high performers confirmed high performers at the NFL level before uh, experienced veterans, how bad they were early in that season coming off of the ACL. I, you know, Farley has played uh I, hang on. I've got the number here. He has played 126 live snaps of football since 2019. That's it. And it's not like he was a lifetime corner or anything. Like he had moved to a corner from the receiver position uh, at during his career at Virginia Tech and, and only played like, I think, about a year and a half worth of corner um, before last season appearing in a couple games and then this season appearing in a couple games. So, look, the guy is super green. Um, he's obviously like very talented, you know, the length and the speed. I, I don't think the speed is all the way back from the ACL injury. I think that'll come. Um, that's something that, that you'd like to see kind of in the back half of the year, you start to see, you know, him getting beat by Jake Kumaro and, and not being able to use his, his makeup speed to close that gap. I, I think you would hope to see that go away by the end of this year, but look, he's so green. He's so raw. Like, Hey, we got to pump the brakes on giving him the bus call. Now, if you want to say like John Robinson, bad job by you drafting a guy who was going to be a project, uh, you know, in the first round when you had a team that was ready to compete uh, right away, I, I can buy that. Like I, I can say maybe he's, he was a bad draft pick philosophically for that reason, but I don't think it's time to call him a bad player yet. Um, well, let me let me ask you a question to to because I am am torn on Caleb Farley like because I understand he's coming back from an ACL injury and I understand uh, everything that you're saying I completely understand it but how is he going to get reps when last week he plays 15 snaps and and this week he plays more just probably because of injury where where is the team failing him? Are they not putting him in positions to succeed? Are they not preparing him appropriately throughout the week? Because all you hear is about, oh, of his size, his length, and his athleticism. And then they got him playing about 10 yards off of these wide receivers and not using any of these physical attributes attributes for any of these corners. So I, I ask this in this situation, not because I don't think I think Farley's a bust, even though I am trending in that direction, but I'm also trending that this entire team is just filled with fucking idiots and losers right now. But where is it going wrong for Caleb Farley beside injury? Or is it all injury, in your opinion? 
you know, I, I think some of it is technique stuff. Like, and and certainly injury is playing a factor. Like, he's not as fast uh, on tape right now as he was at Virginia Tech. And and I don't think the way ACLs are now, I I, I certainly don't think it's something where we're just never going to see him be uh, what he was during college at this point. Um, it's going to take some time, but the technique stuff is bad. You know, he his you know, Kumaro being able to kind of pull his arm down uh, and throw him off balance is one of those things where it's like, you know, that's gotta, that's gotta be something that you you've got to learn how to combat as a corner. Um, and then, you know, obviously the other play, I think he completely lost digs when he should have been in man and he got distracted by uh, the motion that the bills threw at him um, and, and digs ended up being you know wide open in the end zone by himself. That's something that, you know, I'm sure they'll coach him up on and everything. And, and it's, it's going to have to come with experience. Like it's, and you're right. It, it's hard because he's not playing a full complement of snaps. So it's like, are you trying to get him ready as soon as possible? Or are you just trying to like win football games? Cause I, I feel like those are kind of at conflict right now. Like, you know, it, but then again, I don't think Trey Avery's given them any better chance to win a football game right now than <laughs> Caleb Farley is. So I, I don't, I don't fully understand what they're doing with him from a usage standpoint. I mean, with, with Fulton out at least um, I kind of understood it when it was Fulton McCreary and Amadi as your three corners. I kind of could get that uh, why Farley wouldn't be playing at that point, but with Fulton out, it should have been Farley all, Farley show the whole time to me um, and let him work through some of these growing pains, even if it is. I mean, look. It being worse than Trey Avery, him. right? Yeah. Oh, yeah. It can't be worse than Trey Avery. It can't be worse than Chris Jackson. Like these, these you know, not I mean, good corners that they're throwing out there. Well, you know, to me, it's like the PK brings has brought up this point for the last few weeks and um, – it's about plays, not players for this team. And, and Paul on Monday's press conference essentially said, your talent, your players do not match up to the level of talent of the bills. And obviously he was alluding to, cause previously he talked about Trey Avery on Stefan Dix and, and they weren't doing Trey Avery any favors. Mind you, it did not look like it looked like as Trey Avery was on an Island. Now maybe all 22 changes that, but I'd be a little hard pressed to find that most of those plays Trey Avery's there by himself. So if, if, if Farley has all the talent in the world and is the most, maybe second most talent, physically gifted cornerback in the room, you could probably argue that he may be the most physically gifted. Why aren't they finding the ways to get him on the field in critical situations? And why is it taking so long to get him up to speed with a whole healthy offseason? I think part of it is just the the technicality of playing the cornerback position. I mean, as far as like being long and being able to run with guys, I, I think he's got that. Although, you know, like we've already said, the the speed isn't quite all the way back. Um but it's the the being able to land your punches, being able to stay in phase, all, all that kind of stuff that, you know, he showed that he could do it at Virginia Tech, but he also got away with a lot just because of the fact that he was so big and fast and long and, and could, you know, really make up for a lot. Of, he could cover up a lot of technique mistakes just with that skill set. And when that skill set is somewhat diminished or not as, you know, a, a, not as big a gap, 
and his skill set versus the receivers he's covering now, that technique and those deficiencies come into play a lot more. So I, I think it's a lot of technique stuff. And it's a lot of, frankly, it's just knowing how to play these coverages. Like, you know, NFL coverages are complex, you know, whether they're running like, you know, some sort of match, uh, match man schemes where you're reading one to two and you've got to carry the the vertical if he gets past a certain point or you're passing that off and trying to jump down on a uh outbreaker if it if the you know the number one doesn't doesn't run vertical there's a lot of stuff that mentally they do have to process in the nfl that in college he would not have been asked to do necessarily or at least not to the level that they do at the nfl level so I, i think He's probably still mentally swimming somewhat. And and look, he's been he's been with the team for a year and a half. He should know a lot of that stuff uh at this point. But knowing it and being able to translate it to the field when you just haven't been out there that much are two different things to me. So I think it's bad. Like he's a liability right now. There's no two ways around it. Like he's not he's not a plus for them. He's he's a, a problem. Uh, the fact that they're targeting him, you know, more than they are McCreary when he's on the field, when McCreary is a, a real rookie, like, you know, right out of the uh, gates here, um, it is telling. So, Harley's definitely not trending in the right direction overall, but I, I am willing to, like, pump the brakes on firing him into the sun bus uh, just yet. It's a, it's very crowded on the sun bus because the Tennessee Titans, I I – put this question out there and I, I kind of alluded to it last night. They have a good old boys problem. The, the good old boys, the, the bring your, take your vitamins, make your bed, you know, say your prayers. Those guys are getting way too many snaps on this team, which goes into the fact of not having enough talent to match up with the Buffalo bills. And I think it's, I think it's fairly obvious after two games to see why the Bills are the favorite out of the AFC and the favorite for the Super Bowl. Because if you watch all all this whole entire weekend, the Bills are clearly the best team in the NFL, in, 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 hands down, bar none. But to to be able to compete with these people, you have to start relying less on and, filling, and stop filling up your roster, the majority of your roster, with Jeff Swaims and Cody Hollisters and, you know, the Naquan Jones and these there's all too many guys that are just guys getting snaps on this team. Obviously your team has to have those guys on the back end of your roster, but the problem is it's on the forefront front of your roster. Where does, where do you think, why, why do players who are not top at their position or probably not even top on this team, Seeing why does this team continue to reward just the hard workers, especially in games where you're thoroughly outmatched? Yeah. So, and I think part of this comes down to like a mentality thing, you know, within the building, just, you know, Brable and, and really, I think more John Robinson, even so than Brable has always been kind of like, I, I kind of feel like he gets emotionally attached to these guys that are like, you know, he just does all the right things. He, he says all the right things. He goes and digs out a safety when we ask him to like all this shit um, that he, I, I think he has like a romantic attachment to like, Oh, this is the way football should be played. 
you know, hard nosed, tough, you know, physical, all this stuff. And, and sometimes I think that blurs his vision of, is this guy talented? Does he bring enough to the table uh, to be able to compete with the, the teams like the bills and the chiefs and, you know, you know, frankly, the Ravens, uh, like all these other teams that, that are very talented uh, and are physical and tough and, and do all this other stuff. So, I mean, and look, it's worked at times, right? I mean, like the Titans identity is a big physical, tough football team, won them a lot of football games in 2019 and 2020 and 2021. So like, I get it to some degree. Um, That's part of their identity. And some of those identity guys are okay to have on the team. Um, but it's when you're, you're starting to stretch those identity guys into, like you said, key spots, uh, to where you're relying on them and you just don't have the playmakers, the difference makers that, that these other NFL teams do, um, is where you kind of get into trouble. I mean, like the bills, the bills have holes on their roster. And, and that's something that I think, you know, is, is interesting. Cause I feel like that they, they are not that good at corner right now. Like they they've done this the, the first two weeks without Trey white, yeah. uh, which is scary. Um, and, and they, obviously they didn't have uh Gabe Davis. Who's their second best receiver uh, last and night. And Mitch Morse left right. early. And then, you know, no, uh, Oliver, no Tim settle. Yeah. Um, they were missing several of their guys, but they have guys like, I mean, they're throwing in guys like Daquan Jones, who we know is a, a pretty good football player uh in for ed oliver uh off the bench you know they, they've got all they've got so much depth at key spots that they're just rotating guys through i mean jordan phillips daquan jones they're throwing greg rousseau into the interior to let him rush against aaron brewer because greg rousseau is a pterodactyl and brewer's a t-rex uh so i mean it's it is it it is impressive some of the spots, that, but they're able to make up for their deficiencies by being ultra talented at other spots. And the Titans just don't have enough spots or really maybe any spots on the roster right now where you just go, man, the Titans are just ultra talented right there. Like maybe safety, maybe yeah. safety. That's about and, it. And, and to be honest, I mean, you can, you, we talk about them being the biggest safe, the best, one of the best safety duo, duos in the NFL, but Kevin Byard has kind of been, not really doing much these last two games, and that's that's not good for this team. You know, this this underdog mentality, when you start believing that you're losers and underdogs, you start playing like you're losers and underdogs, and it's time to change this mentality. It worked for 2018, 2019, maybe 2017 too. But, it, you know, after the 2019 season, when you go to the AFC Championship game, you should stop doing that mentality because it just starts infecting everything around you when you constantly think that, oh, maybe we're not that good. because And so now we have to go prove everybody wrong instead of, you know, trying to say we are that good and we are going to show you why we're that good and, and we're going to stay that good because this team, <coughs> excuse me, lacks an aggressive mentality when it comes to wanting to attack other teams that are inferior than them. And and really right now, I don't know of many teams that are inferior than them. And I think this stems from Derrick Henry just doesn't look like Derrick Henry. And I don't know if maybe they've everybody's figured Derrick Henry out on top of him coming back from injury. But you're talking about a guy who got decleated in week one 
And then in week two, Tremaine Edmonds gets uh, comes in and swipes away, pre- predicted that, okay, here comes the stiff arm, and, white, and swiped it away when normally Derrick Henry would just power through that swipe and send that guy somewhere else. It, it just doesn't look like the same Derrick Henry. He looked faster and quicker last night, but his vision is just not there right now. Yeah, I, I, Henry has not looked good the first two games, in my opinion. And, and look, he looks bigger to me, um, and he does look slower, in my opinion. Like he, it just, and I'm not saying he's like you know completely fallen off, but his biggest skill or biggest trait that made him special, you know, the stiff arm is great and everything, and and the fact that he's so big makes that stiff arm effective, but. His breakaway speed and the fact that he could do that at such a big big size is really what made him special. And if he doesn't have that anymore, I mean, he's he's Brandon Jacobs. I mean, like, I'm sorry, but that's that's what he is. If he's not, he's like Eddie Lacy. Yeah, if he, if he's not if he's not going to break the 60, 70 yard runs, there are a lot of running backs in the league that can do just as much as he can. Uh, as far as these you know, short runs and making something out of nothing. I mean, frankly, he's not, he's not that great at making something out of nothing when it comes to making guys miss in the hole. Uh, He needs kind of a clear track and clear runway to get up to speed. And then once he does, he is very difficult to stop. But uh, if, if this offensive line isn't going to be very good, which right now early returns, you'd say, um, you know, they're probably not going to be very good, at least not as a run blocking group as of right now. Um, it could be just a really bad year for Henry. And if, if it's a bad year for Henry, I mean, Hey, Brable said it in the press conference today, what are we going to hang our hat on? Oh, well, obviously Derek Henry. Look, they don't have a backup plan. This is a, uh, they're in a burn the ships, uh, you know, kind of situation. If Henry is not the guy that he has been for the last two or three years. And let's, and- let's be honest here. The AFC, the Jacksonville Jaguars, the Colts, the bills, all these teams that have been beaten by Derrick Henry year after year have made adjustments to Derrick Henry. It used to be everybody was playing nickel and dime, and then you got these big old bruisers for the Tennessee Titans, and they're just going to run it down your throat, and they can because you got these little little boys out there trying to tackle a man. Well, now all these other teams got big men coming in to tackle this guy who aren't afraid. I mean, you saw the New York Giants. I mean, just literally no fear comes in, Jihad Ward, come, no fear, just slings. When's the last time you've ever seen Derrick Henry fly like that? I mean, he looked helpless. And all the AFC teams have now decided, we are stopping Derrick Henry. You, we, We've always tried to stop Derrick Henry, but now we have the players that can execute our game plan on stopping him. And there's no team that's done that more successfully in my opinion than the Jacksonville Jaguars they have built a defense that looks like it's base essentially stopped Jonathan Taylor for for the most of the game until the game was out of hand they kind of just played prevent defense that that team is built to stop Derrick Henry that's not a good thing because that's where Derrick Henry has made most of his money on these contracts is against the Jacksonville Jaguars and speaking of contracts this Tennessee Titans team made an error in redoing Derrick Henry's contract because now if they cut him before June 1st, 
instead of getting $12 million, they're getting $6 million. And if they cut them after June 1st, they'll do $10 million. And let me say something. And maybe this gets into, into the next phase of our discussion where it's the staff and the future. But building around an injured 28-year-old running back and having that be your identity and your philosophy in 2022 is not a good thing. Doing and re- and changing his contract around, not a good move by John Robinson. I, right now, and listen, I'll preface this with saying, all these players and all this staff has a, has a chance to change my mind. Good luck in trying to change my mind at this point. Because I said when they traded A.J. Brown on the Broadway Sports Media draft show, so go to broadwaysportsmedia.com, get your insider pass, and you get access to the draft show from last year where they traded him live. And I said, I'm checking out emotionally checking out of 2022 season. To me, this screams that they are rebuilding for the future. And obviously you would love to have AJ Brown stay here, but listen, there's also the other side of this whole equation that AJ Brown did not want to be here three weeks before the draft. He's pretty much said he doesn't want to be here. So it it doesn't matter that all and all that to say is that I said I will not be emotionally invested. In fact, I laughed hysterically last night at the Tennessee Titans because I just like, well, fuck it, they don't care. Why should I care? And here I am, and the season's definitely not over. But the starting out zero and two historically makes your path. 10% chance you're even making to the playoffs. And people say that they're lucky to be in the AFC South. I don't know. I mean, yeah, they're lucky, but they, I, I, I can't believe I'm going to say this. I think the Jacksonville Jaguars kind of look a little bit better these last two weeks, you know, as a whole. The, oh, the Jaguars by far are the best team in this division right now. Like through two weeks, they, they look like Ugh, the I hate definitely it. run football team. And, and if anybody and can crazy. turn this around, it's Mike Frabel, right? Yeah. I mean, look, I don't <laughs> think the season's over, over. Like, it, this team is, um, if anything, it's No been... Super Bowl aspirations, right? Do you have your oh, 0% zero, chance? Zero, Even if they make no, it into the playoffs, it's 0% no, chance, right? No chance, no chance. And that's the thing. Uh, and that's that's why I think the whole A.J. Brown thing, like, look, I know people are going to say, oh, the stupid Titans let A.J. Brown go. You know, that's what's made them bad. That's not what's made them bad. Like, that's one part of what's made them bad. But A.J. Brown isn't coming in to make that that Titans-Bills game last night close. Like, right, that that he's not going to make that much of a difference. Um, so if you're not – if you're going to pay him $100 million – to play on a team that's going to head into like some sort of rebuild. I, I mean, I'm not sure there's a ton of wisdom in that, frankly. I mean, it's, it's, it, maybe it's just a good thing that they got what they could for him and aren't sitting on this crazy contract uh, for the next four years as they try to transition into whatever the next iteration of the team's going to be. Um, you know, it's always better to have good players. I get that. Like, I'm not saying it's a great, great deal for you'd them, always but. rather have them than rather not have them but in right. the big scheme of things it was pretty impossible for them to get them yeah but I, I my point is that like i don't think aj brown makes this a, a super bowl contender versus you know what we saw last night um so yeah I, I think the season's not over like i mean we saw the titans in Brable's first season two and four 
the offense looked completely hopeless, completely hopeless. And then they they made the quarterback switch, and, and the lights came on, and and they got it going down the stretch. And now Tannehill was the primary driver behind that that resurgence, in my opinion. Uh, and there's no quarterback like say what you want about Malik Willis, he is not going to rescue this team. Yeah, the chances um, that he's Lamar Miller are equally as great Jackson. as the chances that he's Dwayne Haskins. Oh, for sure. Yeah, I mean, I mean the, he is definitely – the history of third-round quarterbacks would tell you there's a much, much, much better chance that he's just a Jacoby Brissett or, or like, you know, Case Keenum-level backup uh, than there is that he's a, uh, you know, the next coming of Josh Allen. You know, it just – it's not a – it's not a high likelihood, even though, though, you know, both of both of you and I like Malik. We, we like him. Yeah. Um, we like the, the skill set and everything, but he's not coming to, he's not coming to save this season. Um, but I do believe that Vrabel and, and despite, you know, and, and let me say a little something on this. Like, I, I know everyone wants Vrabel to come out and like publicly bash Todd Downing and call him an idiot and say this fucking guy's ruining our season. Vrabel's not going to do that. Like no matter what, like he's oh, Vrabel even come out on Monday's presser and said that he's just not going to fire anybody. Yeah. He, and let me say something. That's how Mike Vrabel got the job is that the previous coach wouldn't fire someone. And I'm not saying that firing Todd Downing fixes everything, but at least doesn't it provide you, you as a team, a little bit of a spark to say, Hey, listen, Y'all got to get your shit together because, you know, Ryan Tannehill, Taylor Wan, Derek Henry, even Bud Dupree, you guys got contracts we can get out of. You guys got to start stepping up. Robert Woods, you're not, you don't have to be here next year. Austin Hooper, you're on a one-year contract. And we know that we may have failed you with Todd Downing, but we got Tim Kelly coming in and you guys got to start. Stuff like that plays well to not only your players, but doesn't it play well to your fans as well? It's just such I mean, an easy move, right? It, like it would, it would make the so here's here's the thing. It would make the fans happy for one week. Like that's that's it. It, it would give them their their scalp. Uh, they'd be all excited. Oh, they finally got rid of Downing. Now everything's going to be better. And then the offense probably wouldn't get that much better the next week. And then so you don't think it would get better because I think that it would at least you would see tangible difference. But let's say this. Let's say you're right, Mike, and there is no difference. Then you know for 100% fat, fans know this is not an offensive coordinator issue. Yeah, I mean, look, I, I think it could get better. It, it's certainly possible. I don't think Downing's a good coordinator. I don't think firing him is losing some great offensive mind. Uh, so I'm not opposed to firing him, but I, I don't think – I don't think it's like, oh, well, they fired Downing and now Tim Kelly fixes everything and they go on this big run and and everything's magically better. Like Tim Kelly isn't going to all of a sudden make Aaron Brewer be able to be 6'5 and 320 pounds. He's also not going to make NPF not a rookie. He's not going to make Taylor Lewan be healthy. He's not he's not going to make, uh, you know, Nick Westbrook Aquina be a better wide receiver. Um, there's real personnel issues on this team. And you know maybe a play caller like could mask some some of those a little bit better. And look, there's I mean, he's got a Downing. history of masking it. <laughs> you know still, what I'm saying? Well, somewhat. I mean, they yeah. were awful last year. Um, 
in in Houston, which isn't all his fault. Like they had terrible personnel. So like, I'm not blaming him for that, but uh, I don't know. I just, I think they're, the problems are so much bigger than just the offensive coordinator. And there's stuff that Downing does that drives me crazy. But I also think like, like I wrote about a uh, uh, PK site last week. Um, some of this is a Brable directive. I I'm convinced of it. I, I'm with you. I, I am I think, 100% with you. I wrote about the same thing last week. Yeah, I think Vrabel is is telling him like, hey, we want to run the ball on first down. We want to get ahead of the chains. Those are your primary objectives. And I think some of that shit is coming from Vrabel himself. And he's not going to fire Downing for doing what he's telling him to do, obviously. so That's exactly a great point because he pretty much said, if I felt someone wasn't doing their job, not not the fact that the guy's doing the job incorrectly or correctly matters to Mike Vrabel. It's just that you're doing it, right? If I felt like someone wasn't doing their job, they wouldn't be here. So everybody's doing their job as laid out by the expectations by the boss. And I, where do you stand on this? Because we're talking about a guy who won coach of the year last year. However, that seems to be the kiss of death. If you go back and look like at the last 12 years of coach of the years, it's not very good list. Uh, The usually it's ensuing, you know, some problems and issues. But where do you stand on this? Because at some point, it's like there will never be a perfect season, right? And the way that Mike Vrabel coaches, the way that Mike Vrabel's philosophy is built around, players have to execute and play to perfection. The margin of error is so slim. And I know that Mike Vrabel is a pretty damn good head coach. You you would... Be hard-pressed not to be a good head coach if you go 12-5 and starting 91 different players. But now I'm beginning to feel that's like a little fluky. That's like that's more luck than anything. But at some point, what you're doing causes more harm than good. Your philosophy causes more harm than good. You and John Robinson in lockstep that run first is the way to go in today's NFL is misguided. How do you get your how do you sell Mike Vrabel in 2023 if you don't win a playoff game? I mean, I, I think the way to sell it is I mean, and here's I think part of the reason why um the coach of the year uh, award is somewhat of a you know it has a tough history because I think a lot of times you get that award for overcoming a lot of adversary adversity, right? Like right. And I think Vrabel overcame a lot of adversity last year due to all the injuries, but also like if you look at the roster, there's, there's problems and there's problems all over the place. Um, and is it Brable's job to make the best out of what he's got to work with? Yes. Uh, is he, is it his job to make that those players better? Uh, yes. And he generally has done that over his time here. And that's why I don't think, I don't think the Titans should be looking at firing Mike Vrabel at the end of this season, regardless of how bad it gets over the next. What if he decides I'm sticking with Todd Downing? I'm not going to fire Todd Downing. I don't think it would ever come to that, but just what if, because at some Uh, point you got to factor in a couple different things here. There's history that Amy Adams drunk does not like that kind of attitude, especially when it's proven to be wrong. There's a new stadium being talked about for this team. Right now, if I was a citizen of Davidson County, 
in old Loserville, Nashville, down down there, because that's where the losers stay and the losers play right now. If I was a loser down there, I wouldn't vote for this stadium. And I this is coming from a guy who's been pro stadium this whole entire time. But this product on the field is not worth any, the stadium and the play on the field. They they match each other right now. Yeah, it's um, I don't know. I, I here's the thing with Brable. He's 41 and 26 as a head coach here. He's gotten his record has improved every year that he's been here from nine and seven to nine and seven against a tougher schedule with several playoff wins to 11 and five to 12 and five back-to-back division titles. Like he's a good football coach. And I don't think I'm not going to let two really bad games um, throw me off of that. So early in the season, uh, and I, you know, I don't know. I, I can't imagine it coming down to like, well, he's just never going to fire Todd Downing no matter what. Um, but I don't, I can't, I, I can't get behind firing him after this season, no matter what. I, I just can't. Because- I, I, I don't, I don't think that it will be that thing, but I'm starting to see where a philosophy is so ingrained in this team that until he changes, and I don't think, I have a hard I have a hard time reconciling Mike Vrabel being a good head coach or great head coach and change. Like those two things are mutually exclusive. They are so far apart for this team that I my brain works overtime because my brain tells me Mike Vrabel's a great head coach, but will this team ever change with Mike Vrabel as head coach? Well, and that's the question to me like is is Mike Vrabel playing this style of, especially offensive football, like defensive philosophy? I don't have any issue with how they approach the game. Like, do they have bad games? Sure. Is it frustrating when Stefan Diggs, who is the only scary skilled talent on the field for the Bills in that game, goes for 12 for 143 and three touchdowns? Absolutely. That's frustrating. That's a coaching issue. And, and that's it. something that can but, be corrected in during the game. That's what but, I, I don't understand. That's why I have a hard time reconciling the elite coach that Mike Vrabel can be with the lack of willingness to change even in a game. Yeah, and, and I don't have a problem with them philosophically, defensively. Like they, I think a lot of the stuff that they do the overarching actually, philosophy. Yes, it is really kind of cutting edge as far as like where the NFL is going um, with the simulated pressures and all that stuff. And honestly, Vrabel's kind of been at the forefront of a lot of that. But offensively, they are very retro, old school. And I would love to know deep down in Mike Vrabel's soul does he believe that this is really the best way to win football games period? Or does he believe that this is the best way to win football games with Ryan Tannehill as my quarterback and with Derrick Henry as my running back? Cause I, he, we haven't seen him really with anything, but a limited quarterback in a, you know, in, in Derrick Henry, right? Like we saw a little bit that first, uh, that first season with LaFleur when they were trying the Dion Lewis thing and all that. Um, there was a little bit of that in there, but, for the vast majority of Vrabel's time here, it has been Derrick Henry and a limited quarterback. And I, I don't know, like, you're not going to take this offense with this personnel and 
become the chiefs overnight like you know you're you're, you're not going to be able to just drop back and throw it 40 times a game out of shotgun and empty and all this stuff with this personnel and be effective like it'd probably be a complete disaster so i do think what they're doing right now probably does make sense from giving them the best chance to win with this personnel group but I, i i feel like the personnel started to get old on them they tried to replenish some of the offensive line stuff that didn't work. It didn't take with, you know, Isaiah Wilson, Raiden's obviously like we hammered that a million times at this point. Um, the offensive line became a weakness. Now Derek Henry looks like he's lost a step and then Tannehill lost his best weapon. So I kind of feel like what we're seeing right now is just what, this philosophy looks like with worse players around Derrick Henry and Ryan Tannehill um, and Derrick Henry being a lesser version of himself, frankly, and it's not good. And, but you know, if Malik Willis, if they do decide Malik Willis is eventually the guy, does that philosophy change? Do they start to look, all right, we're going to be more of a shotgun spread team. We're going to run the ball, but we're going to run the ball. Like the Ravens run the ball with all of this quarterback run stuff involved and misdirection let me let me ask a question about this if if i can real quick just because this is an interesting thing and i was thinking about this last week let's say that they keep malik willis because they saw enough in his in practice and everything that they feel that they can run this offense but didn't they see all that under this offensive philosophy so now you're bringing in a new offensive coordinator for a rookie quarterback and a new, entirely new system that may or may not work after he's been busting his ass trying to learn this one. So I guess, let's say Malik Willis is part of the rebuild. Let's say Malik Willis is, isn't even part of the rebuild. What does a rebuild look like under Mike Vrabel when you have to have a quarterback in this kind of league that plays like Patrick Mahomes and Justin Herbert? Can this, can this be as, can they duplicate what, they what they saw last night in Josh Allen can they and it doesn't have to be a completely Josh Allen obviously like a shitty ass quarterback that turns into an elite quarterback but can they draft a guy or scout a guy and you trust them to basically let the offensive coordinator have autonomous control and change the offensive identity yeah I I don't know I mean yeah isn't that crazy that we don't know like that's a big question. I mean, cause it would be a big departure for them from what they've done structurally. And look, like there's a lot of concepts that Malik Willis is, is learning right now that will translate to any offense. Like all of these NFL offenses run the same concepts. Like they're all going to run like a, a sale route. They're all going to run, you know, levels. They're all going to run mesh. Like all, all of these concepts are the same. Now the way they're coached, can be different. Um, the way that they're implemented can be different. The way the way that they dress them up from a personnel and, and formation standpoint can be different. But I do think like whatever he's learning now will be applicable to whatever offense they evolved into. But you know, I I look at this team and, and you think about like what's the worst case scenario, right? Moving forward, because you know we're we're not in a spot where like there is a best case scenario because I, I think this team revealed itself to be so far short of the AFC contenders last night that, you know, like we said earlier, if they do find a way to sneak into the playoffs, I don't think they're going anywhere. Um, But 
you know, the worst case scenario is that you limp through this season, finish eight and nine or, or nine and eight or just outside of the, the playoffs. You manage to get like a middling pick and you don't learn anything about Malik Willis because you fought to the very end with Tannehill to try to get in the playoffs. And you don't know going into next season what you are and you're, I mean, I guess at that point, they'd probably just try to run it back and maybe get some better players around those guys. But there, there's just, I don't know what the future of this team looks like at this point. Cause as much as like Tannehill is still, I think, a, a fine quarter, like honestly, Tannehill's kind of been the least of their problems. I know he threw a couple picks last night, one of which was a tip ball, the other was uh, just a miscommunication with Nick Westbrook. Um, but he's kind of been the least of their problems so far. Um, yeah, like he was still it, a problem last night. He wasn't great. Yeah, but he what like when you start going down the list of reasons why the last two weeks have looked so terrible. Ryan Tannehill's way far down on the list for each week. Like it's yeah. just so far down the list, it's ridiculous. Yeah, and as much as I feel that way, I also feel like. I mean, what what are they doing if they bring him back for another year? I mean, like, where's this team going? Are they going to be good enough to to make a playoff run next year with Tannehill? Like, I find that hard to believe. I don't know. It's it's they're definitely approaching a crossroads here, and there's going to be some very interesting decisions to be made. And look, I mean, John Robinson has done a lot of good things for this football team. But he's put himself in a bad situation with some of these draft classes the last few years. I mean, 2020 and 2021 both have been really bad so far. Um, and, you know, 2022 looks good. Uh, and he didn't do himself point, any but... favors by sticking with $2 steak, tastes like shit Aaron Brewer, which we talked about all offseason how Eric Flowers is sitting right yeah, there. Yeah, I don't I don't understand how Eric Flowers is in this football team. Unless he's just unless he's asking for twelve million dollars or something like that. I don't, at, I don't at know. At this but. at this point, I, I don't know what he's asking for. Sign him to a two or three year deal that has void years or something. Make make it work. Because Aaron Brewer's not the solution. This offensive line sucks. It stinks. And it makes everything around it stink. The only two bright spots are on the right side, and that's Nate Davis, Nicholas Petit Ferrer, even before Taylor Juan got injured, he wasn't looking like old Taylor Juan. And I get that he got injured last night. He's probably more than likely out for the season. It hasn't been officially announced yet, but I would assume typically your non-contact injuries typically mean you're you're out for the season. That could be the last time we see Taylor Juan. Because if I'm Taylor Juan and I'm going through another ACL, another year older, and I have a booming podcast, I'll be quite honest, I'm retiring. I I don't, you know, I, I would not blame the guy for retiring, and I definitely think that the Titans are going to cut him. There's no reason next year that you should not see a changing of the guard, barring a Super Bowl win. It would have to take a win in the Super Bowl for there to be all three of these guys back. Ryan Tannehill, Derrick Henry, Taylor Wan. In fact, I think all three of them should go. I think the best thing for this team would be to find a trade partner this year for Derrick Henry for a fifth round pick, get, get back the pick you traded away for Dennis Daly and trade him out of here. Because I think that if he's gone, 
I, I don't know if the run game gets any better, and they probably keep on plugging away at the run game. But at least, at least you have now a better chance at figuring out and trying something different. What this team may look like with or without Derrick Henry, because right now, it's it's been proven you're not winning a Super Bowl with the leading rusher in the NFL. You're not winning major games or even going to the Super Bowl with Derrick Henry. Like it just is what it is, and I love Derrick Henry. Alabama. A fan all my life. I've always loved Derrick Henry, but we got to be real here. And he, I'm not saying Derrick Henry is the issue. He's just another issue in a pie chart that's got 1% for every issue because it's like, it's a disaster of a team. And it comes down to what you said earlier. It comes down to John Robinson putting himself in bad positions, not ta- not adjusting during the COVID year and just sticking to his guns and doing what he wants. Only only drafting guys from the senior bowl over guys like Amon Ross St. Brown who didn't make it to the senior bowl and and all this stuff. Like he's got to get out of his bubble because he's just as stubborn and just as culpable as what that of that performance last night as Mike Vrabel is. Yeah, and and there's a lot of stuff. Like here here's the difficult part for me with with both Robinson and Vrabel because I you can't argue with their success right like both guys have been unmitigated successes as both gm and coach of the titans during their tenures here like neither one has had a single losing season to this point they may be about about to but they they haven't to this point um but there are problems like, and there are problems that I, I think everyone to some degree recognizes like Robinson's almost thumbing his nose at am- analytics and, and same with Vrabel it, to me is a problem because it's not that analytics is the be all end all. And, and I've, you, you and I've hit this mm-hmm. thing a bajillion times on this podcast at this point, but it is, free information that that may help you make a better decision and that is all it is it doesn't have to trump tape evaluation it doesn't have to trump anything else but it is free information and it is dumb in a billion dollar industry to be turning away free information that all of your competitors are getting uh so i don't understand that i don't understand and i think some of that ties in with the philosophy stuff and how they uh, they feel like they need to run the ball and, and all this stuff. And, you know, there's some hard headedness that is rooted in this organization that I feel like I, maybe a losing season would be what, what it takes to get that out. You know, I, I don't know. Um, but there's certainly, I understand the gripes uh, when it comes to both Robinson and Brable because they don't do things the way that the rest of the NFL and the rest of like media at large says that things should be done. And and look, I, I've defended for years the fact that when you have Ryan Tannehill and Derrick Henry, this is probably the way that you should approach the game. You can't pretend that you're just the Chiefs now and expect Ryan Tannehill to go beat Patrick Mahomes. Like that, like we said, that's just not gonna happen. But they don't seem to be moving any any steps in that direction. In fact, they're like almost heading in the other direction um, to this point in 2022. So I, I don't know. Like, 
it, it makes you wonder what long term this thing looks like and and whether you know are are we ever going to see anything that's different uh out of out of this organization or is it just going to be you know the run run pass punt offense and and you know a bend but don't break defense yeah i mean th- th- i think that I think a lot of people were looking for answers to questions in this Buffalo game. And I think you'd be hard pressed to find anything concrete that makes you feel good about this team. Ryan Stonehouse. Yeah. You, you put out a tweet that says this team should build around Ryan Stonehouse last on Monday night. And I said, well, this team's already built for Ryan Stonehouse because he's getting all the work in. I mean, 11 drives and Mike Vrabel still wants to point back. Well, we did some really good things in that first drive that's scripted. That's supposed to look good. It's supposed to look like one of your best drives. And then you completely shit the bed for 10 drives after that. I mean, just a comedy of errors. This team was last night and you can be angry. I'm just choosing to laugh at it at this point. It's a, it's a hilarious team that tricked everybody, right? It, it has tricked everybody going into this year. We thought they were one of the deepest rosters in the NFL. That turned out to be false. We thought this is one of the best head coaches who can get the most out of any player. That's not happening right now. We thought that Derrick Henry may be slow, but he'll look like his old self sooner rather than later. And that's not so fast on that one. He still has a chance, though. We thought that the offensive line was going to be bad. That's the one thing that really we all got proved right, that this offense and this team die lives and dies by the offensive line, and it's terrible. Aaron Brewer is so bad, and it's not even really an issue of they look disjointed and not on the same page. It looks like Father Time has caught up to Ben Jones. Injuries have gotten the best of Taylor Lewan and Aaron Brewer's who we all thought Aaron Brewer was a shitty piece of $2 steak. You get the dollar store burnt, a burnt, well done steak. that Donald Trump or Patrick Mahomes is going to have to put ketchup on to make it taste any better. That's what this offensive line is. The only bright spots are the, the players that they drafted last year and the players they drafted in 2019 that are still here. Build around those guys because that's your future. Yeah. And I think that's it. And and look, I think we'll see what happens on Sunday. I, I think, I think Sunday will give us some idea of whether this team is fully fucked or, uh, or just not uh, a contender, but could be a playoff team um, because the, the Raiders are kind of in the same spot. Right. But now they didn't get their doors blown off. Uh, like the Titans did. So they're, they're not, um, they haven't been quite as bad through two games, but they lost to the, they lost to the chargers, obviously, and then got, and then blew a huge lead to the Cardinals um, at home. Right. That, that was a, that was in Vegas. Um, so if the Titans can't come out and beat the Raiders, then, then this isn't going anywhere. It, then it almost, they won't do it because, you know, hell chances are the Colts and Jags are both going to lose this weekend too. And uh, you know, that they, they might be uh, they might still just be a game out of first place uh, when, when the the weekend's over, but it is um, it's approaching time to, to start just seeing what you got with some of these young guys. If, if they keep losing. Um, I mean, at this point, your chances that they beat the, 
the the Raiders is at what? I'm at like a five to ten percent, barring like catastrophic injuries to Derek Carr, Devontae Adams, Hunter Winfrey, and Darren Waller all at the same time. Like they get swallowed up by some earthquake. I think it's a little better than that. I'd say I'd give them like a thirty to forty percent chance to win the game. I, I don't think the Raiders are that good. Um, but aren't they just better. outmatched on offense versus defense? I mean by a wild degree because even if christian fulton may come back but dupree probably won't be playing this week you're already out harold landry yeah are you gonna throw trey avery out there on Devonte adams and single coverage because you guys are idiots i mean like i i don't like at this point i i look at this bills game i look at the bills offense specifically i'm not scared of the raiders defense but I look at the Bills offense compared to this Raiders offense and think, man, this team really had a chance to, as a defense, a Titans defense, to go out here and stop Stephon Diggs fairly easily. And they just shit themselves constantly, quarter after quarter, shit in their pants, getting bigger and bigger. Don't even have make diapers big enough to carry the load of sh- pants shitting that this fucking team did on Monday night. So I... I look at Devontae Adams, Hunter Renfro, and Darren Waller, who are all three as a collective unit better than what they saw last night. Better what they saw on Monday night. I, I I just can't have this hope right now. I'm not, I'm not, I'm not, this team does not deserve my hope. Oh, Carr is not nearly as good as Josh Allen. So I think that in the Raiders offensive line is really bad. So I think those would be your potential. Uh, opportunities for to allow a little optimism in also it being at home not being in the bills stadium on a primetime game all that stuff uh, there's some there's some reasons to won't be home field advantage i don't think mike on this, uh, like, yeah, I don't, I, i'm not i'm not <laughs> expecting the titans fans to be whipped up into a frenzy uh on sunday <laughs> oh you know whatever smattering of them actually makes it down there which i i will be there um for God some speed reason <laughs> So I will be there to either watch the uh, uh, a a win that maybe restores a little bit of hope for the season or the death knell of the 2022 season. So uh, excited for that experience. But um, yeah, it, it, they they could beat the Raiders. The Raiders aren't that good. Um, but I'm yeah. not. It, it might, you know, your hopes are just not that high it doesn't feel like it's rooted in realism like i think that's where it's at it's like okay last year you're thinking well yeah but they look really good against these teams and they look great so there's hope that they could win the super bowl right you got that hope now i'm like my hope to even make the playoffs is is just like slowly dwindling just cascading into the abyss and just it's terrible i like i i can't see i feel worse after this than I did after the Broncos game where Tannehill got put in for Marcus and it went on. I don't feel that there's that moment for this team that changes stuff outside of firing Todd Downing, and it still may not work. Like you said, I mean, I'm not guaranteeing it works. Could look better, but how much better? Is it Art Smith better, or is it just, eh, well, we'll, we're going to drag you to a 9-8 season and screw you out of getting a top-tier quarterback good? Well, so here's here's the here's the reason for optimism. Here's the next five games. Okay. All right. Versus versus the Raiders at home. At Indianapolis, they're a dumpster fire too. At Washington, also a dumpster fire. Versus Indianapolis at home after a bye week. 
at Houston. Those are your next five. If you win, if you can win four of those five and you're sitting there at four and three heading into, you know, Kansas City, Denver, Green Bay, Cincy, Phil, that's a that's a tough stretch. There. Yeah. Uh, you know, if you can win four of the next five, you're back in. You're back in the race, right? Let, like, let me ask you in. a question. And this seems this seems a little weird of a question for us to ask because I've never asked this question. Do we really want them to win? <laughs> <laughs> I I do. I do. I, you know, look, I, and the part of this is I'm not totally sold on this uh, this quarterback class being like okay. the be-all, end-all next year. I, you know, Stroud and Young, I get it. I can understand the appeal for those two. I still don't – like, Tyler. what's Tyler Van Dyke done to get you excited? What's Will Levis done to get you excited? Anthony Richardson hey, listen, is terrific. W- Will Levis is perfect for this offense. He knows how to hand off the ball. They're perfect for this offense. Will Levis. Uh, yeah, I, I'm just – I'm not sold at all on it. Like, I, I don't know that there's another quarterback outside of Stroud and Young that I'm actually believing to be a franchise quarterback. So unless you're going to be like top one or two picks in the draft bad, you know, it, a top five pick, you're just going to get like, I guess you could get a really good, you know, left tackle maybe to replace Taylor Lewan. It would be your your best bet there. Um, Draft a draft another corner. I I mean, what what the fuck are you gonna do? Uh, it's it's just depressing uh, right now to be uh, to be in this spot. But um, I don't yeah, feel I, any better. You know, normally after these podcasts and where we get towards the end, I start feeling better for this team. And I'll I'll be honest with you, Mike. First show out of the gate, you don't you haven't made me feel any better. I'm I'm not bringing a ton of optimism uh, here to the table. Um, there's just not Comp- there's company no man Mike is dead. Like you know, company man Mike, he's gone. Like I, there's a lot that you know. I I I tend to be a glass half full person generally. There's just there's nothing in the glass. Like there's nothing in the glass right now for Titans fans. So I I just think it's just you need just to grin and bear it. <laughs> just- I, like the hope is right that like. Henry starts to get going like he always does later in the year. Traylon Burks becomes AJ 2.0, you know, which he's shown some flashes early. Uh, you know, Kyle Phillips gets healthy, learns how to catch punts. And and maybe you start to see a, an offense come together as the year goes on and the defense maybe starts to play back up to their uh, potential once Fulton is back and, and McCreary has some skins on the wall. And, and you know, there's... There's a path I think you could see where like this team does compete for a playoff spot, does win the division, like all that stuff. I think that's still on the table. It I don't sucks think it's us all into its void. Uh, and then and then and here's what'll happen. If they do make the playoffs, you know, I'm gonna sit here and I'm gonna go, well, anybody's it's game. One, it's like ten percent, one and eight, one and uh, eight. All you gotta do is win one game. You gotta just gotta win one game at a time, and uh, yeah, anybody could win. So I, I don't know. It, We're all just suckers. We are. We are all suckers. We're all suckers for believing in this godforsaken football team that <laughs> does that just never wants to make us happy. Um, well, that will do it for us talking about this godforsaken football team. Make sure to go and watch all your sports that are not Titans related over at Jasper's in Nashville, because you'll have a much better time. Listen, you'll have a great time regardless, because they got the best food, the best beer, the most TVs, a really nice establishment, 
clean bathrooms. You know, that really goes underrated when you're talking about sports bars and all these commercials. These bathrooms are so fucking clean. You could <laughs> you could go eat your lunch on the toilet and not feel disgusted. It is a fantastic sports bar to go to, and I encourage everybody to go to Jasper's in Nashville. They they have an arcade room where if you know after you see us another run the fifth run of the game on second and fifty four you can go and play some skee ball or go shoot some basketball play some giant jenga because the jenga won't be the only thing crashing down on your dreams there's also the Tennessee Titans so go to Jasper's in Nashville get the best food best beer it is elevating the neighborhood sports bar you will love it I promise you. Make sure to go get a Broadway Insider Pass because why, Mike? What happens on Thursdays? The Mike Herndon show is released, and we'll be talking about why the Titans suck and uh, and really getting into the nitty gritty of what that looks like. Yeah, the let's let's look at it this way. It's the Mike Herndon show, presented by Mike Herndon, starring Mark, Mike Herndon, Mike Herndon and Company, something like that, right? Uh, that is because you do you that do you do title. have Easton playing the role of Caroline, where you know he gets to talk some. <laughs> he does he does get to talk some. Yeah, he gets he, to talk he gets some. To He's just a pretty face over there. That's right. Um, but you got new graphics. You got you got a new look for the people who maybe tuned in on the first one. We're like, oh, this production value is a little shitty. We've improved it. It's been improved on the back end. You're gonna love the new production value. Make sure to go to YouTube for uh for Broadway Sports. So turn on notifications because you get this show in video form and you're gonna get other shows in video form as well. And the Mike Herndon show is also going to be, you know, turn your notifications on for that if you're a Broadway insider. Also go to 440 Sports because a football show is on Mondays and Thursdays and it's live 1 p.m. Central Standard Time those times. This past Monday, I talked about the keys for the Titans to win this game. And Braden told me, he goes, Zach, this is not going to be evergreen content. People are going to turn in on Tuesdays, listen to the show and they're going to say, well, the, the Titans lost. What good is this information? Well, now you know everything they did wrong because literally yeah. everything I said that they had to do to win the game, they didn't do and they lost the game. So now you know that I am pretty much a clairvoyant and know what I'm talking about. So go to, and subscribe to 440 Sports. Turn on those notifications. For Zach Lyons, wait, for Mike Herndon, because I'm Zach Lyons, for Mike Herndon, <laughs> you can follow him on Twitter at Mike Miracles. For Zach Lyons, wait a minute, yeah. Yeah, sure, whatever. I'm really butchering this. Classic F-words, right? F-words, Bob. We're back. We're back, baby. Todd Downing wrote our outfit. Yeah, yeah. Follow me on Twitter at F-words, Bob. For football and other F-words, this has been a great show. We're back, full circle, the new-ish look. Football and other <laughs> F-words, you have just been effed. A Broadway Sports Media Production.